Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, December 7th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Goalies Week will continue. Our guest on this episode will be Robert Esch. If you missed any of the episodes, past episodes of Goalie Week, they started last Wednesday. We interviewed uh, Martin Biron on Wednesday's episode. You can go back and check that out. Also, on Friday's episode, really enlightening conversation uh, with former Flyer goaltender Michael Layton. As I mentioned, Robert Esch in this episode, and also coming up on Wednesday, we'll talk to former Flyer first-round pick and goaltender Brian Boucher. The Flyers have only drafted two goaltenders in their history in the first round. Boosh was one of them. And on Friday's episode, we'll hear from former Flyer goaltender, former Flyer analyst, uh, worked alongside Gene Hart for many, many years, then moved on to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll hear from Bobby Taylor. The Chief will give us the lowdown on his playing days, his post-playing days, and a total and a ton of goaltending conversation there as well. Quick news and notes around the NHL before we get to Robert Esch. The NHL and NHLPA were swapping uh, ideas and proposals to start the season. It looks likely on January 15th is the day they're targeting for. Now, Gary Bettman, we know, said that January 1st was the date that they were working with. That ship has very likely sailed at this point as we sit here on December 7th. Uh, But January 15th was kind of a date I pointed to all along as well uh, because I didn't think the notion of players starting training camp and then going home for the holiday to spend times with their family and return to camp was likely uh, given the situation with the pandemic. Uh, But it looks like January 15th is now a target date. Uh, They did swap uh, some ideas back and forth for a 52 or 56 game scheduled uh, from some reporting and reporting I trust. It seems 56 is more desirable because the more games played, the more potential revenue they could bring in and mitigate financial losses. Still a lot to figure out here. Uh, There's some protocols. Will they start maybe for the first couple of weeks in hub cities? Will they start in home buildings? This is all TBD, to be determined. And also, the other hurdle to overcome is still the issue of salary deferral. Now, the league has asked for more money in escrow in the back end of this collective bargaining agreement, which they signed during the NHL pause. Uh, By the looks of it, though, players... That's a non-starter of conversation, how they will handle paying back the hockey-related revenue that they go in excess of this season is something to be determined. We'll see if they end up deferring more of the money uh, this season to be paid in later years, either a year or later years. But things trending in a very good direction. Uh, If things were really bad, you have to think they would not be swapping proposals on particulars like games played, start dates, and those kind of things. If the season is set to start on January 15th, and again, still some hurdles to overcome here, you'd see a very early January uh, training camp for the 21 team, for the 24 teams that were in the return to play in the hub cities of Toronto and Edmonton, and the seven teams that did not make the return to play would likely get a few days more of camp probably starting sometime in late December. So good news on the NHL front. It looks like things are trending in the right direction. Nothing is done until it's done, but this is certainly good news, and hopefully this week is uh, very fruitful in the sense that they can come to an agreement and we can start to mark our calendar and count down the days till the return of the NHL. We're all keeping our fingers crossed for that. I know everybody listening to this podcast uh, is chomping at the bit like I am 
to get the game back on the ice and get the uh, Flyers back in action. Now let's talk to our guest here on Goalies Week as it continues. In this episode, had a chance to sit down with a guy who had a very interesting Flyers career. Really good athlete, was a good football player as well. And we talked to him about all things in his tenure, including his trip to the conference finals in 2004 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here's my conversation with Robert Ash. All right, joining us right now, Goalies Week continues, the uh, Flyers Masked Men. And we have uh, one of the greats, Robert Esch, joining us on this episode. Robert, how you doing? Good, good, very good. Man, your career is so interesting, and I got so much I want to talk to you about. But let me ask you, let me start here. Um, how did you end up in net? Older brothers? Um, no, actually, equipment. No, well, I didn't start playing until I was twelve years old. Actually, um, the Utica Devils, American Hockey League team, were here from uh, nineteen eighty-seven to ninety-three. Uh, so I started watching them in the late eighties. And then I started playing hockey. They put me in uh, as a forward. Our coach uh, at the time wanted me to learn how to skate before I went in net. And then um, Chris Terreri was a goalie here with Craig Billington. And Chris Terreri was my uh, kind of my idol growing up uh, watching him. I just loved uh, – he was very flashy, very acrobatic. Uh, he was just uh, – well, they had good teams here too. So it was fun cheering him on, and that was always a position that I guess I wanted to play. At the time, I was playing football um, as a quarterback and linebacker uh, at Pop Warner. And, and then I just made the decision to try hockey out last minute. And uh, my father actually went to go sign up my brother, Henry. And I wasn't going to sign up. He called home, and he said, well, I signed up, Henry. Do you want to try? I go, yeah, I'll try. <laughs> and that was really the start of it. Wow, the happenstance of that, look at that, and you end up as a pro. You didn't get on the ice until you were 12 years old? Yeah, yep. That's yeah. that's insane. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that you're looking at peewee age at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and what drew you kind of to getting in the crease? You, you said you uh, played I football. Uh, I think, you know what? I think it was Chris Terreri, like I said. I mean, uh, the Utica Devils had some great teams here, but uh, the net minder for the Devils was uh, him and Billington pretty much split time. My father – really like Craig Billington and I really like Chris Terreri and Terreri was very flashy. And I think, uh, you know, Billington was very, uh, you know, technically sound, you know, and Terreri was making splits on everything, every save. It was just really cool to watch him play. I thought it was uh, exciting. So I don't know. He just, uh, that was kind of my idol, him, Sean Burke and Ron Hextall. <laughs> wow. And, and you look at that, you know, Terreri was almost like watching a video game back then. It was just like, really doing that with his body. And, and yeah. for some reason, as a football player, you're going, I think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that came to me. I don't know how that came to me. Um, do, do you, did you feel like you had the mindset of a goalie? Because the goalies have a specific mindset. But um, I've heard this from some, and I did some digging on you. <laughs> a lot of your old teammates, they said you were frustrating because um, you're such a good athlete. Like whether it was playing ping pong in the room with the boys or whatever, you said you'd beat their ass in everything. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? I don't really think I had much of a goalie mind. It's probably why my career was so short. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was very, I was a very aggressive person and I just, uh, I loved competing to be honest. I don't really think I was very, very good of a goalie to be quite honest. Um, I had some great goalie coaches that helped me along the way, especially with uh, Benoit Lair in uh, Phoenix. I mean, he was, he was terrific with me and Sean Burke and I learned so much. And then, and then when I went with uh, Reggie Lemelin in, in Philly, you know, I didn't really have much uh, tutelage along the way until those guys. And I think uh, it was just everything was a battle for me. And But I don't really – I really uh, didn't carry myself much like a goalie, um, you know, but 
I, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed the competing against the guys, though. Um, what did Benny teach you? Benoit Larry is one of the great ones. Um, was it the technical elements of the position and to think it a little bit differently? Yeah, you know what? When I went with Benoit Alaire, it was actually what was interesting about it, and it, and I now I have a son who's a really good goalie at 15 that I uh, I work with, and it's funny because it's he really dumbed it down for a simple guy like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was you know beat the pass, give the right answer, follow the rebound, and that really is the game. Um, you know, it, if you can do that, and people are going to beat you with great shots, so be it. Because you know you're going to be in that 95 percentile uh, if you can beat the pass and give the right answer and follow those rebounds. And he really opened up my eyes to the game and really starting to understand it. I think one of the things that I was weak at in the NHL, oddly enough, was reading the plays. Um, I was definitely more of a puck stopper. Um, you know, when it came to just shots, but, you know, reading plays was one of my weaknesses. Then I go over to Russia where everything was playmaking and they'd pass about 19 times before they'd shoot you. You know, it was just, uh, I was in survival mode there. And then that became one of my strong suits. I'd wish I had the opportunity to come back, uh, I think to the NHL and put both those things together, but didn't work out that way. <laughs> Boy, as a goalie, when they're doing all that passing, especially on the big sheet of ice, right? You're like, come oh, on, yeah. guys, just shoot the frigging puck. My quads are frying here. Get it off the stick. Let's go. <laughs> you'd see people pass the puck on breakaways. I've never in my entire life seen that, but they yeah. would. They, you'd have them, and you you know, you know, knew you were going to make the save, and then they'd pull back and make a pass. You're like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> were you a guy, because um, I've done this, I even do it still in beer league, when a guy tries to make that extra pass, I'm just yelling at him, would you shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying definitely. to influence as best I can. Yeah, I, I like where the guys shot the puck. It's a lot easier for me. <laughs> uh, would you say um, beat the spot? You, you, what you're saying is get get to the spot, get square. Yeah, if you're in the right you, spot, they're going to hit you a lot of times. Yeah, when you beat the pass, so when a puck leaves the the stick of a you know uh, opposing player and he's passing to another guy, if you're already waiting, why that puck is just landing on the other guy's stick? You're squared up to the puck. I mean just by, you know, the sheer size of goalies are going to stop, you know, in that 85 to 90% by mistake, just by mistake, you're going to stop the puck, you know? So I really think that that was um, something that Benny really, and you know, his broken English was, you know, give the right answer, which meant, you know, you're not just butterflying when the puck gets over there. You, You want to track the puck, react to it. You know, and the last part following the rebound is obviously self-explanatory. You know, you're not just making a save and getting up however you want. You're going to lift the proper legs, slide over to where you need to. Now with the reverse HV, I think that's really been, you know, heaven sent for a lot of goalies. I think it saves their hips. I think it, uh, you know, what you can do standing up, you can now do down on your knees. And I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, and cover the lower 11 inches. That's where so many go and so many pucks are shot. I wish well, they had that. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried doing it? Have you tried no, uh, getting into a reverse VH? No. I, uh, I, when I, when I retired uh, and I brought the, I was able to bring the Utica Comets to Utica, uh, the American Hockey League, I took my pads off and I, I only put them on for a Flyers alumni game in Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and that was kind of it. Um, then when I started teaching my son, I'd, uh, talk with obviously some great goalie coaches like uh, John Elkin or Dan Cloutier or uh, Ian Clark and you know and you pick up on what they're it's pretty easy to understand what they're saying and how to actually teach it so you know if you can grasp everything internally which I was able to do I think it um, you know it just makes a lot of sense in your coaching 
in your coaching and your son, do you preach yeah. technical elements? Because a lot of what you were about as a goalie was get to the spot, compete, um, get square, you know, those explosive crease movements. But are you uh, big on with him with the, you know, post integration and all those different things and, and ways to track bucks? Just started this season. So my mm -hmm. big thing with my son was, um, you know, he's already over six foot. He kind of shot up within the last year, which helped a lot. But the big thing that I was harping on him at a young age, he started when he was around nine years old, eight, nine years old. And I was, all I cared about is that he worked and competed. And, and I think it took about two to three years for me to really pound that in his head. Like, I, you know, I can teach you the simple stuff right now, but until you work and compete, I don't want to waste my time. You know, like yeah. I, I love you. I get, you know, <clears throat> I want you to have a fun time if hockey's not your thing. And then through the years, he's just picked up a work ethic. I think that, you know, you can teach work ethic, you know, I think a lot of people, may argue with me on that. I, I, I would disagree strongly. I think little by little, this young age, you put that work ethic and that compete level in them. By the time they hit, you know, 12 years old to 18, they're going to be picking up routines and, you know, habits that they're going to carry through the rest of their life in whatever business. So definitely my first few years was more on work ethic, attitude and competing. And then, um, you know, the last couple of years, I'd say, or this year, I really started to get a lot more technical with them. And you can see like, you know, the progression It's just, it's amazing when you have that uh, willingness to be coached or the work ethic, you can go a long ways. Yeah. If you have that base of the, the technical aspects, but you have the compete, you can go to the desperation, but you can always fall back on the technical elements in certain situations and, and the repetition of it. Um, let me talk to you about the two, the 2004 playoffs, mm -hmm. uh, flyers, lightning, you guys end up in the Eastern conference finals. Um, that was a crazy run. Keith Primo was so good for you guys in that run. But let me talk to you about the room because the characters you had on this team, whether it be Jeremy Roenick, who we obviously know well about, and you know you got legends in there like like Roenick, like Cat, or like uh, Tony Amante. You got Keith Primo. You've got Sammy Kapanen. What a group of guys that you had. What was the, that group like for you guys? Because I, I'm a firm believer actually that any time a team goes on a run. Uh, behind the scenes, there's something special there as well. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, um, <clears throat> I think it was the only, the only time I really had my heart broken <laughs> was mm. game seven. Uh, but it, the locker room, to your point, was amazing. Uh, you know, one of the biggest leaders, a couple of them, you know, when you look at Mark Recchi, Desjardins, and Johnny LeClaire, and, you know, even JR, and <clears throat> those guys were just bigger than life. You know, they were all household names, that whole team was filled with household names. I think it was really unfortunate. I don't think I had the the playoff round that I should have had. I wish I was a little bit better in the in the third round. Um, you know, I also think we were in a situation we had such a depleted defensive core. We had so many massive injuries to key players, and it was you know it was disheartening. I mean, I know Jr. played for a little period of time on defense. Sammy played a little. Sammy Kapanen played a little bit on defense. You know, and it was, we had some younger kids in it. <clears throat> when you're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, it was just for us to go to seven games to me, I think was uh, was pretty amazing. But I, I do wish, uh, as I look back on it, I wish I had a little bit of a better uh, series, that series. Um, but the memories, like I said, they, they come from within that locker room and we just had a lot of great, great, great people. Is that one of the things you miss about uh, your post-playing career is that camaraderie? of the room, you know, going in every day with the guys, whether it's practice, pregame skate, meetings, being on the road, all the, all those elements. 
of the camaraderie of being a pro athlete? I was so competitive and aggressive. I really only probably had like three to five guys that would actually deal with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think what I really miss the most is competing. Um, I really, I, I really loved getting the upper hand on somebody <laughs> to be honest with you. I just, Were you like that in practice too? Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't especially, want to give anything up. Right. Especially with some of the, you know, you're on the ice with the great, you know, some of the greatest players to ever put on, you know, skates, you know, Johnny LeClaire, Mark Recchi. I mean, Mark Recchi is what, 12th or 13th all time in NHL scoring. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, JR is just, you know, he's one of the best people ever. He's, got, he's a mouthpiece out there. So you got to be on your A game and practice with him. Otherwise, you're going to hear him the whole practice. You know, so it's just, uh, it was fun playing with that elite group of characters. And every practice was amazing. It really was. Every practice was just very intense and, uh, you know, and it rolled over into the games. And I think that's why we had such a, you know, fabulous season. Would you get mad when guys would throw pucks into the, the net when you were like kind of facing the other way? Yeah, <laughs> I was definitely one of those goalies. I would fire it back at him too. I was uh, definitely one of those guys. Uh, I've heard a lot of that uh, about Dominic Hasek because he would like freak out on guys. If he wasn't looking, you put a puck in. As goalies, we all look at the net and we go, boy, it looks really good when there's nothing in it. And when there's cluttered <laughs> pucks in there, it's just like, oh, this looks awful. Um, <laughs> let me take you to March 5th, 2004. Uh, maybe you don't remember it, but everybody else does. It was a record-setting night against the Ottawa Senators. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. beat the brakes off of Patrick Lalime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the longest uh, final three minutes of a game, I think, in the history of any sport, uh, including <laughs> you know some, some basketball games. What do you remember about that night? Because it all started with uh, somebody swung a stick at Recky's head. And that's where things you know kind what? of, it was, you know, it, that might've happened, but I mean, you know, it was Brash and Rob Ray and you mm-hmm. know, Brash knew he was going to be antagonizing that guy the whole game. He was going to go get him. I mean, I don't know what was in Brash's head or what, you know, Rob Ray might've done or what happened to Rexy. I'm, I'm not really privy to that, even though I was on the ice, I, I don't know if, that happened that way but i do know that brash chased him up and down the ice trying to fight and you know rob ray's obviously a magnificent uh, heavyweight for many years but it was uh it was a, a bit of a lopsided fight obviously and then um everybody was in front of me in a scrum like just kind of watching the fight and then brash went right through it and i forgot who he punched but i think todd simpson might have been on the ice and i played with him in phoenix and he was a tough really tough guy as well so he started manhandling Danny Markov <laughs> and I was trying to pull the uh, simmer off him. And the next thing I know, there's Patrick Lalim was tapping on me with no helmet on. I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's figure this out. <laughs> and then I was guy. happy. He got my Jersey off right away. And then it was like, it was terrific. I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You just loosened me up. You got, you I, got did like, I did like, uh, I thought he was, you know, I, I had a lot of respect for Patrick Lalim though. I thought he was a real good guy and, you know, it was one of those situations that there was a lot of heat between Ottawa and us. You know, like we we didn't we disliked each other for a long time. We thought they were a really dirty team, and they probably thought the same about us. You know, but it was uh, it was a fabulous fabulous game, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was tremendous. It's it's historic, and I mean to set a record for penalty minutes for a Flyers team, and not have it having taken place in the '70s is a feather in your cap as well. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really funny to watch everybody line up. I I gotten kicked out of the game, and you know I think Berkey was, you know Berkey was obviously a very tough tough goalie. I mean he would fight 
heavyweight guy, you know, like yeah. he was a legitimate tough guy. And he was, uh, I remember him chirping me on the way going out. He goes, you had to get kicked out. Now I got to go in against a European goalie. If I get beat up by a European <laughs> goalie, he goes, it's going to be really bad for my, my I'll run. never hear the end of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you I know, don't... watching everybody, you know, everybody right down the line, Rexy, Leclerc, JR. I mean, it was, Zeus. One, Zeus, yeah. it was, he was one a right after another. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, that's, that's an absolute trip. Um, let me talk to you about playing goalie in Philadelphia. Um, this is a, a market, and I think it's suited for a guy like you, a competitor, right? A guy that wants to compete every day, and you have that mental mindset. You can, I, I think you can identify with the city, and the city could identify with players like you. So what was it like playing, playing goalie in this city? And you guys had some pretty darn good teams, too, so that, I, that heightens it even more. Yeah, I loved it, and I, I kind of relished in it a little bit. I think uh, I was definitely growing up. My father was a truck driver. My mother was a florist. So growing up, I was very much a blue-collar type of guy, and I always empathized with the fans. You know, like, they pay all that money. They got the right to boo you if you're not playing well. You know, and I was on the receiving end of, the, you know, that too sometimes. I remember actually the 04 year we went into the playoffs. I you know, you had 20,000 people booing me before, before the playoffs started that year. Cause I was giving up dumpings from center ice by the New York Islanders for the last two or three games of the season. But in saying that, I think it's, you know, it's, I think that controversy is good. I, I do think that, you know, for the next uh, foreseeable future, which is really nice. I think it's put to rest. I think uh, they have one of the best goalies I've ever seen uh, with them right now. Uh, with Carter Hurt, I think he's, Awesome. I, I have my son watch him all the time. I, I think he is the the goalie that you, you know, hope to be like one day. Um, you know, I, I, I think for the next, like I said, foreseeable future, I think that uh, that goalie controversy might be something that, uh, you know, waits in the wings for the next batch. Yeah, he's a technical masterclass, isn't he? <clears throat> he's just so efficient in his movements and every element yeah. of it. I got to tell you, I know, like, you know, you look at Carey Price, when Carey Price came in, he was so phenomenal. And then, you know, you didn't think it was possible to get better. And then you look at this Carter Hart and it's, like I said, I just think the way he carries himself, the way, I don't know, I like it. I think the fans had a lot of reason to boo their goalies through the years, and, you know, and I like all the guys that uh, I played with and the ones before me and after me, but um, you know, Carter Hart doesn't really give that reason for booing. He's uh just a terrific human, you know, he just, everything about him. I really, really like. Uh, for, he's a, he's so rigid in his preparation. Carter is in every element. He controls everything before a game. Cause when you get on the ice, there, there's a lot of loss control for a goalie. Cause you don't dictate the terms. Uh, you're a guy, you're an alpha athlete. Um, was that element hard for you as a goalie? Um, you know, cause it's a reactive position. You're reacting to your environment. Uh, was that part not being able to control the, the and dictate the terms, something that you, you had yeah. a hard time with yeah because i'm definitely a controlling person i think for the most part and i think is in the sport you know there's a lot of things that you can't change to your point and for somebody like me it was frustrating um you know i, I probably could have been a little bit mentally better on that I, working with dr z uh the last few years there in philly really helped me out a lot but it is it's a challenge there's so many circumstances you know you're cleaning up the mistakes of so many yeah you know like you know, generally the team that makes the least amount of mistakes ends up winning at the end of the day. And as a goalie, your job's kind of to clean that up um, to the best of your ability. And, you know, like, I mean, I was fortunate. I mean, make no mistake about it. In Philadelphia, those first few years, <clears throat> we had an unbelievable team. You know, the goalie's job was just don't screw it up for them. 
yeah. you know, that was literally my job my first couple of years when I was with Roman Chechmonic and then me and Berkey, um, you know, it was just don't, you know, don't screw up the game and we'll win it. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it was, it was a little different. I think the last few years is we started to rebuild and started going down that, you know, different path. There's a lot of errors in defensive zone and stuff like that, that, you know, I just wasn't a good enough goalie to uh, be able to clean that up. Yeah. You need that structure. Um, last thing for you, because, uh, you know, playing the, the position and, and the way you, you kind of deal with it as a goaltender, um, when you're a goalie, you know when certain guys are on the ice, especially defensemen. And there's certain guys you go, oh man, why is he out here in this situation? This is speak to that structure or, you know, the the way they can defend. But you had a guy in Eric Desjardins that was, I think, a lot of people here in Philadelphia recognize how good of a player he was, and I still think he's underrated because he was tremendous and he was just so poised, so under control. Uh, talk about his game and, and the way he played in front of you. Eric Desjardins was a consummate professional. He really was. He, you know, he reminded me so much of Tempo Newman. Two guys that just really. I played with uh, Repo in uh, in Phoenix, and those two guys just never seemed they got the credit they deserved, and they were just silent leaders, and they just did an amazing job. I thought. Um, just being able to approach the game the same way every day, day in and day out. Their stick positioning was amazing, both of them. Um, but, it, you know, Rico is, is one of my favorites. Uh, and he was a huge leader for me. You know, he gave me so much confidence in there. Uh, I actually went on the ice feeling like he wanted me in the net, you know, and I think that's a big thing for a goalie, you know, especially when you're you're battling, you're on your way up. And at the time, there was Roman Chechmonic and then there was Hackett and, you know, to feel that your, you know, your, your defenseman wanted you there, I think is a, is a big plus. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate um, because I was only a backup prior to Philly. So, I mean, I was very fortunate to have that great leadership in Rico um, when I was there. And for a guy of his uh, stature and ability, it helps as well. Uh, I lied. Last thing is this. Um, who, who was the guy that you had the hardest time reading his shot? Giant Leclerc. That's an easy I was, was going to say, is it because of that stick? He didn't know where it was going. How was a goalie going to know where it's going? <laughs> yeah, because the goalie's reading everything, right? The shoulders, the hands, everything. And if he doesn't know where it's going, how the hell are you supposed to know? And that, that thing came like a bomb off his stick. He shot the puck so hard. And every practice is like, I, I really, really love playing with John Leclerc. He is an amazing human being. I was honored to be in the same locker room as him, but. Uh, no, you never, you never knew it that even his backhand, his yeah. backhand, he would rip it. You know, it's like a butter it. knife with a, yeah, a weird curve on curve, it. Curve, yeah. This is a lefty and a, and a turned, it turned uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. I, I played against him in a, or I played with him in a charity game on the same team in warmups. When he hit me in the pads with a, it was just a snapshot. It almost knocked my legs out from under me. It was yeah, so shot. fast and heavy. Yes, there's a difference between a quick shot and a heavy shot. You know, there's some guys that, that can shoot the puck so fast, but you're not intimidated to, to get in front of it and stop. Then there's people like the John LeClairs of the world or the Shane Doans of the world that just that puck hits you and every part of your body hurts. Yeah, but, the way the way I've always explained the 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 heavy thing for people that don't get it, uh, a fast shot feels like a wiffle ball hits you. It doesn't have any deep sensation, but when a heavy shot hits you, it feels like the puck's full of lead. Yeah, exactly. It's it got does. its own inertia. <laughs> yeah, it does. It definitely does. Um, how's life after hockey? Great. 
great. Um, so when I retired, I was uh, successful at being able to start up a company and uh, bring an American Hockey League team here to to Utica, New York, in uh, what was the Utica Memorial Auditorium and now is uh, the Adirondack Bank Center. So I operate the building. Um, you know, we have the AHL team here. We do concerts. Uh, I have a, a soccer team, uh, Utica City FC. I'm very heavily involved in junior and youth hockey here. Um, and then I own uh, a few restaurants as well locally. And uh, we're in the middle of a $60 million uh, project that uh, is adding three sheets of ice to Adirondack Bank Center. So it's awesome. Addition. And um, so we'll get in the tournament space and a lot of that fun stuff. Awesome. It's great that you're still in the game too. I love that. That's I tremendous. I wouldn't be able to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you look back and go, what else am I capable of doing? That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, actually, this was awesome to catch up with you, man. Um, I, I love uh, watching some of your highlights. You were an aggressive guy. Um, there's not a lot of aggressive goalies out there now, like Tim Thomas in his day and stuff. The way you approach the position and, and the battle that you went with every day, I love it. Um, I appreciate you doing this and uh, sharing your story, your Flyers goalie story uh, on Flyers Daily. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Special thanks to Robert Esch for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Always great to catch up with him, and it's been a blast catching up with all these former Flyer goaltenders. Again, coming up this week still, uh, on Wednesday, we'll talk to Brian Boucher, former first-round pick, and on Friday's episode, we'll hear from Bobby Taylor. And we'll wrap up Goalies Week with the current goalies, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday's and we'll talk to you on Wednesday's episode with Brian Boucher of Flyersdale. Last night a little dancer came dancing to my door. Last night a little angel came pumping on the floor. She said, come baby, you got a license for love.